to the finish line on the 2021 season. The two teams are done. Three teams, four teams are done in the minor leagues for Cleveland. Uh, two continue to play, one in the playoffs, one in the regular season. So still plenty of things to talk about. This is the Guardians of the Future podcast. And I am Justin Lana, and I'm joined this week by Willie Hood. Willie, it's good to have you back on the podcast. That We have a lot to talk about. Thanks for having me, Justin. Before we get started, i got to warn everyone, I've had two cups of coffee before this podcast, so we may be here for a while. <laughs> I always say we're going to keep it to an hour to 45 minutes to an hour. And then Willie comes and tells me he has coffee and we're here for two hours talking about uh, the 2025 outfield prospects. So well, we haven't we'll even gotten into the 2024 draft I know. I know. So, you know, someone tweeted the other day. I almost, I almost said that to you. I said, uh, I forget what game they lost. It was a, it was a bad loss. And someone said, all right, this team's done. I don't care. Let's start prepping for the 2023 draft. And I was like, all right, well, don't send that to me. Send that to Willie. That's his job. <laughs> yeah, let's see. All right, well, yeah, so Columbus has two more weeks to play. They have 10 games left. Uh, they Because AAA added 10 more games to the, to the season. I don't know why they did this, but the games start Wednesday through Sunday instead of Tuesday through Sunday. So those two series are five game series. Um, Akron, Akron walked off on Sunday, not walked off. They won in the bottom of the eighth inning and they, they held the lead, but they came back um, for being no hit for seven innings. So they're in the playoffs. They're playing Bowie this week. Uh, I'll talk more about that. Cause that was a weird ending to their season or regular season. Lake County won the division title in high A and, they didn't make the playoffs anyway. We'll talk about that. Uh, Lynchburg's done. They did not have a great season. Uh, some interesting developments there and a lot of uh, aggressive assignments and young players. ACL is done. The ACL uh, Cleveland team won their division as well, but uh, there was no playoffs there. So it was just the best record was the champion. So all that's extremely exciting. Lots to get to. Um well, let's start with this. This has been something we've been talking about the last couple of podcasts. I think it's it's going to be a, a big topic of conversation going into the offseason is the Nolan Jones and Jose Ramirez situation. And Nolan Jones is now going to have surgery on his ankle to stabilize the, the high ankle sprain he had. So that's not great. Um, and I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Jose Ramirez. But the thing I keep asking is, you know, Nolan Jones didn't play – a ton of outfield this year. He played about half, half the amount of games he did at third base in the outfield. And he played a whole game one time at, at first base and that's it. So what, what are you thinking right now on the future at third base in Cleveland between Jose Ramirez's contract status and whatever the heck they're going to do with Nolan Jones at this point, where are you? I at think it's that? complicated. Um, I think a lot of it ties into what they do with Jose Ramirez in that entire situation. But I'll say this, the Guardians are going to be motivated to draw attention, um, as you said, and I like the phrase that you use, but they're going to, they're going to be motivated to draw goodwill from fans. Um, to do so, I think that they are going to be aggressive to get Jose extended this offseason. 
And I think they'll also look to make some trades. And I think that could be the thing that affects Nolan Jones' future. You mentioned that before, and it wasn't even on my radar until you mentioned it. But when you look closer at the situation, I feel like Brian Rocchio is probably going to be the future at shortstop. What do you do with Gabe uh, Gabriel Arias? I think he ends up possibly at third base if Jose is not to sign an extension um, and gets dealt elsewhere. God forbid that happens. I don't believe it will happen. Um, I, I think, you know, with this logjam of talent that they have, ultimately Jones either plays first base or is dealt out of here. I think leaving him at third base, I think you you correctly pointed out that he has more value there to them possibly as a trade chip later on. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I just don't see Jones as the future at third baseman, whether Ramirez is here or not. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, for what we're referencing again, uh, last, last week or two weeks ago now, I think it was last week, Chris Antonetti was on Jason Stark's podcast for The Athletic. And they were asking him about the um, the new name and trying to get fans attached to the new name. And he said, you know, a lot of fans don't like the new name only because they feel like all their memories are with the Indians, obviously. And they don't have memories with, with uh, the new name yet. And it's up to them to kind of create that, that connection with the fans with the new name and, and give them good memories. So like you said, making a splash and doing something like giving Jose a new contract, that would be a huge move for them to buy some goodwill for the fan base and make sure that they have a, a presentable star with a new brand. And I think that's important for them to have. If they're, if they're serious about going about, about it that way, I can't think of a better move to make a good first impression with your new brand going into the off season. And then, you know, if you use Nolan Jones in a trade, you know, I'm not sure where his value is trade-wise specifically, but I'm pretty sure a top 100 prospect is going to get you a good start to return, maybe an outfielder if they don't think he can play outfield. So, and maybe they maybe they wait. Maybe they're doing this, you know, in case they don't extend Ramirez. They want to extend him, but they're not sure. And once they know they can, maybe they go ahead and move him to the outfield. I don't know, but. I don't know how you can – I mean, Nolan Jones didn't have a great year in AAA. He struggled early. He came on late. Then he got hurt. I don't know. I mean, I, I, he, he was going to start next year in AAA regardless. But I would think at some point next year, and I've said this before, that your best 26-man roster at some point next season probably includes him, right? Like, I don't think – I don't think he spends a whole another whole year in AAA. And if you're putting on a, if you're putting out a winning team on the field, I think at some point next year, he's going to be part of the best roster you can put together. I think Am I right? so. And, and he's here. you know, I've alluded to in the past that maybe he ends up being a first baseman. Uh, I know he's only had one game there this year with the ankle surgery. It makes me wonder about his wheels and his mobility in the future. Uh, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's something. Who knows? He's only 23, and guys have surgery all the time, and it's nothing at all. Um, but he's not exactly the most mobile guy already. Um, but I think we get a lighter version of Carlos Santana, and I want to temper down expectations when I say that. Somebody that's not going to hit for a high batting average, but somebody that will draw plenty of walks and has some power at first base. Not your tr traditional type of first baseman per se, but 
I think he could handle first base. I think he's possibly more valuable to the team as a trade chip in the future. Like you said, he is a top 100 prospect, assuming Jose gets done. Um, and that may be a huge assumption on our part, but I, I think it's wisdom to believe that they are motivated to do so. I think there's internal and external pressure to do so, partly because the Browns are emerging as a uh, Super Bowl contender, but also because they're rolling out a new brand and they have to have something to market and to sell to fans. Um, you're not going to um, you're not going to get goodwill right away. So it's not something that everyone is going to just be willing to do. There's those fans that are critical of the name change, um, right or wrong. I think those fans will have to be motivated and drawn back to the organization, especially if they are an exciting team next year. Um, I have high hopes for them up and down the organization. There is a ton of talent, and I think the future is bright with them. Yeah, I expect Jose Ramirez to be back next year. I don't know what that means for Nolan Jones. Like, I mean, again, he wasn't going to start the season in the major leagues anyway. It just depends on on what they do with the rest of the roster. And you know, if they go out, if they go out next year and they add an outfielder, and Jose is still here, I I don't know how Nolan Jones has a place in this roster. Like, if Jose's back next year and if they make a trade for an outfielder or they, or they sign an outfielder, I don't know what they'll do, but um, that will, and then that kind of pushes Jones to first base and that's fine. That's where he, I'm with you. I think that's where he ends up. Just, you know, that's the last spot he really can find on the roster. And I think it's going to be hard to put him there. I mean, that means you have to move Bobby Bradley and, you know, you still have Josh. Yeah. You still have him coming back next year. We haven't talked about him in a while, but yeah, I think, I think the more this team adds, the more they, if they don't do anything about Jose's situation in the offseason and they, they try to add an outfit, I don't know. The, the, the fit here for Nolan Jones and Cleveland just looks strange at this point. So we'll talk about that all offseason. Let's jump into some more Columbus-related stuff anyway. Uh, how about Gabriel Arias, player of the week uh, in AAA for last week. Uh, missed a couple of games the week before. He I think he didn't play the, the weekend series. Uh, against, I forget who they were playing before Toledo, but he missed the weekend. I can't remember what the injury was, but he came back this week, had a really good week, ended up with player of the week. He's had a really nice year. I mean, he's he hasn't struck out as much as you think he would, given his past and his age and the fact that he skipped double A. Uh, he walked about, well, I guess it's not his best career rate ever walk-wise. It actually has tied it, but um, that's still a good thing for him at triple A. 11 homers, five steals, doesn't run a lot. Um, you know, we've seen the good defense this year from him. No, that's not a not a thing he has to work on. He can play, he could be a gold glover in the majors right now. But, um, yeah, you mentioned before about Arias moving over to, to third base. Obviously, he can play anywhere. But um, I, he, he had a better season this year than I think I could have expected, to be honest. Yeah, I uh, I'm pleasantly surprised with him. Honestly, I thought he would struggle a bit more at the plate, and he's kept his average up and been consistent throughout. And in fact, he seems to have gotten better throughout the, the course of the season, which is exactly what you want to see from any prospect. You want to see them adjusting to the level, and you want to see the, the consistency. You don't want to see them fatiguing. Um, and he's done all of that, and pretty outstanding job. Um, I 
no clue where his future is. I think it's tied to the Jose Ramirez situation. And then obviously with Brian Rocchio, where, where does Cleveland go in the off season? How big of a splash do they make? I think they're motivated, as I said, because of internal and external pressure to make, and, and we could see them potentially dealing one of them or even Nolan Jones. Um, I think that's the biggest factor in the future and all of these guys that we have. And, and we haven't even mentioned Tyler Freeman, who could end up somewhere in the middle of the infield. Yeah, unfortunate that he was hurt at the end of the year and we haven't really talked about him as much. And I've asked on past podcasts too, you know, you've got Rosario, you've got Jimenez, you've got Chang, you've got Clement, you've got Miller, and then you've got Arias and you've got Freeman and you're going to add Rocchio to the list as a winner. Those are all guys in the 40-man roster who are second baseman, third baseman, slash shortstops. And it's like, I know Chang plays first too, but it's like you cannot – there's no way they can go the whole offseason with that entire group on the 40 man roster. Like they're going to have to cut some of that out. And I don't know. I I'm with you. I think, I think the Arias thing is definitely tied to the Jose Ramirez thing. Maybe you can move. I mean, it'd be, a, it, maybe it'd be a waste of his defense if you put him in the outfield, but Arias is a guy who has enough arm to play the outfield, enough athleticism. So Maybe he can. I mean, I'm sure he could play out there. Is it a waste of his defense not to have him on the dirt? I don't know. But I think people, the one thing, too, I, I always have to remember with Arias is that he's 21. Like I talked about, he's in AAA, skipped AA. But how many of the guys from the, and you would know better than most, how many guys do you think Arias is still younger than from this year's draft class? Like there's a lot of, I think, hitters in this year's draft class that Arias is still younger than. And, to do what he's doing at triple a after a year off and his past swing and miss issues and to be 21 at triple a, I mean, that's, that's gotta be taken into account, even though maybe he hasn't flashed as much future potential as a Brian. Yeah. Maybe he's not a little bit as sexy, so to speak offensively, but he is defensively. He could, I think we both could say arguably Arius is the better defender. Um, Doesn't quite have the speed as Rocchio. And I think Rocchio uses his speed better anyways. Um, I think Rocchio looks smoother because of instincts. And I think, um, you know, if I have to compare the two of them, I'm giving the nod to Rocchio as the better player right now. I think he's the future at shortstop. I thought I thought Gimenez would be uh, potentially not knowing what to expect from Rocchio, but he's had a heck of a season in his own right, making it to double A after a year off like Arias. Um, You know, it's just very encouraging to have the problem that the team does, if you can call it that. And then you got a guy like Jose Tena that we haven't talked about either. Yeah, I really enjoyed him, and he ended up on Baseball America's uh, best tools list from high A. He ended up on the best defensive shortstop and best uh, infield arm among high prospects this year. So that's exciting. And he's probably a guy that won't even get added to the 40 man roster and he's, he's eligible this year, but I don't know how you could find space for him at this point. And we're going to have a whole podcast on that. So if you're listening and you're talking about, you're asking about who's going to be on this 40 man roster when the season ends, we will have a whole podcast on that probably sometime in October because there's still some time to go and we'll wait until, you know, whatever this team decides to do with the 40-man roster at the end of the year, because they just added Anthony Goes to it. And um, Anthony Goes really isn't a prospect at this point, obviously. Like, he's 31. He's played in the majors before. 
Um, we talked about him briefly. I, I put up a video of his at bat or his, one of his outings the other day. And I think he struck out three batters and walked a batter and um, he touched a hundred and his slider almost hit somebody hit a right-handed batter in the back foot. I mean, it's got that much movement. He's just an uncomfortable bat. I don't know what his future is. I don't know if, if he's going to have enough time to, to make them feel confident that he should be on the 40 man roster going into next year. But I've, I don't even know how many games are left in the major league season, but at this point, I'm at least glad they're giving somebody a shot in that bullpen because it's a scene like forever. We're just seeing Blake Parker and Brian Shaw and Alex Young. And it's like every night, man, why are we seeing all these guys that just aren't going to be part of the roster next year or shouldn't be when you've got Anthony goes and Francisco Perez and Sam Hanches and JC Mejia. And even though they haven't pitched great, I'd rather see them take their lumps and at least show you something for next year or show their way out, you know? Show show that you're you're part of the bullpen next year or show yourself for the door. And I, I think they're gonna finally start doing that, even though even though when they they're winning games, they still continue to go to the same guys, which is kind of annoying. But I don't know. I get why I think they're doing that. The go situation the go situation to me is a carrot for next season. I'm assuming he's gonna be designated for assignment in the offseason and likely clears waivers. Somebody that they're not gonna just outright to to AAA because he's gonna be a minor league free agent. Um, but what it does is it says, hey, we'll bring you in and have a look at you. And they will kind of know who he is a little bit. I, I think we already know who he, who he is, so to speak, as a pitcher anyways. Um, but I think this is that carrot for next season and enticing him to re-sign as a, as a minor league free agent with the hopes of making the club in spring training. And I think that's really where this is at. Um, of course, they want to see him. But I... As I said, I think he is who he is already. He's 31 years old, and I know he didn't spend all of his minor league career or major league career um, pitching, but I think at the age of 31, he's fairly well developed as who he's going to be on the mound. Um, You don't see a lot of left-handers that can hit triple digits. So he's an exciting arm. Um, But as I said, I think all of this is about offering him a nugget or a carrot for next season. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, any of yeah, him for sure, because you don't have options on him. We talked about that back in spring training. How he's not going to make, he wasn't going to make the roster because he's out of options. And then he went to play in the Olympics, and then he was good when he came back from the Olympics. But his walk rate is still nineteen percent in the minors. That's extremely high, and that's not a recipe for success in the majors. I, I I'm with you. I think he is who he is. I think it's going to be awfully hard at his age to tone the walks down, but. You know, maybe something clicks for him, or maybe maybe his stuff is nasty enough in the majors where he can get enough swing and misses, and um, it'll work for a limited amount of time. I don't know. Better better to have a 100-mile-an-hour throwing left-hander in your minor league system to call up if you feel like things click than to let him go somewhere else and, you know, say, shoot, we yeah. had him, we didn't give it a shot, right? I mean, I, <laughs> I don't think the walks are, are fixable for him, unfortunately, but... Um, it's not like Cleveland has anything to play for at this point other than draft status. So you might as well, we could could turn that into a whole show. Can't we? Um, yeah, better to give him a shot and just see what happens there. And like you said, if, if that is some goodwill to get him to resign next year for one more chance, then great. You have another option. I mean, it's not like this bullpen has a lot of options. We just mentioned a bunch of them, but the bullpen is, 
it stinks. I mean, Karen Shack's pitching AAA, and he's been good because guess what? He can get AAA hitters out. He just can't get major league hitters out without, I don't want to say sticky stuff, but whatever. Either way, this bullpen has Emmanuel Classe and next year, and then everybody else is kind of a, a question mark. So why not add another question mark that has the potential to be an answer than a question, I guess, and goes. Um we also have to move on to anything in Columbus you're watching for these last 10 games. Anybody you're, you're kind of thinking about a Stephen Kwan, a Will Benson. Um, I'm trying to think of the rest of the rosters. Any, anything you're Adam Scott's in AAA now, I guess. That's another thing to think about. Any, anything else really you're watching Scott for in AAA? Morris, two that I think are going to end up being rostered. Um, I'm looking more at guys like that right now. Guys that are going to likely be added or, or on the fringe of being added. Uh, and seeing how they respond, somebody like uh, Richie Palacios, um, you know, Steve Kwan, Will Benson, the guys that are right there that could be or may not be added next season. Those are the guys that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. I'm pretty sure Morris is going to be rostered. Uh, that should be a given. Adam Scott, I don't know so much about, but uh, definitely a good thing to call him up to AAA and see what he's got there. Yeah, he didn't have a great first start, but I'm I'm excited to see more of him, and it's going to be a tough decision on him and Connor Pilkington and um, who's the third one? Joey Cantillo. You know, that's that's three left-handed arms that are going to be a tough decision going into next year. We haven't really talked about Cantillo much, even though he's been back. Um, he's just been okay command-wise. Ah, speaking of Akron, um, yeah, so that game, the, the whole scenario around Akron was crazy. They... It was the three-team race for two spots between them, Bowie, and Somerset. And it came down to Sunday with the winner of the Somerset and Akron game being the number one seed in the playoffs versus um, each other. Or if Bowie won, the loser was out and Bowie was in. So um, Bowie was down 5-3, to three and they came back to win 7-5. Akron was down... Uh, I want to say four nothing. So it was five to four. Yeah, four nothing. They got no hit for seven innings by Luis Medina of Somerset. Man, did he look good! I, I wish we were talking about uh, a whole prospects podcast. But Luis Medina was was extremely fun to watch. Had triple digits a few times on Sunday. And Shane Bieber was pitching for Akron, and Bieber looked close to his old self. I wouldn't say he was um, Cy Young Shane Bieber, but he was, you know. Looks like he was working back towards that. He showed the flashes of it, so that was good. But Akron uh, tied the game in the seventh, took the lead in the eighth, and I'm sorry, they uh, scored, they broke up the no here in the seventh, and they tied, and then took the lead in the, in the eighth inning, and they won. So they're playing Bowie this week. Um, rotation is going to be for Akron Tuesday and Wednesday is Peyton Battenfield and Xavier Curry. They're playing in Bowie. Thursday is an off day, and they come home Friday with Connor Pilkington. In game three and Friday, um, if need be, or I'm sorry, Saturday, if need be, is Logan T. Allen. And then game five would be Sunday to be, and that starters to be determined. That, I don't know much about Bowie's roster, to tell you the truth. I mean, I know they have some good hitting prospects. They just got Gunnar Henderson um, amongst, I think, Jordan Westberg is another one that's really good. I don't know about their pitching, but man, that is a, Good pitching rotation for Akron to carry into a championship Heck series, yeah. is it not? <laughs> and and you got to think, uh, Cantillo is probably in there somewhere too. Probably the fifth starter. Um, 
or out of the bullpen. I, yeah, I, maybe they go with him as an opener or something in that role. Um, but man, that is a star-studded rotation in, in Akron, and it speaks to the depth of this organi- organization as far as pitching goes. I really like that um, the arms that are there, and only Pilkington and, and Cantillo will need to be added in the offseason, you know, to the 40-man roster um, or traded or, or something rather than lost. But very encouraging to, to yeah. have that kind of pitching and see how they face in. You know, I, I was only aware of a couple of guys that you mentioned um, from Bowie. I haven't looked at their roster at all. Yeah. Uh, those are the two big uh, hitters I knew. I'm not sure about their pitching staff, to be honest. But I think, oh, you know what? Bowie's got Grayson Rodriguez. So that is going to be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, you know, versus George Valera and Brian Rocchio and uh, Battenfield and Curry and Pilkington versus uh, Jordan Westberg and, and um, Gunnar Henderson and, and a number of other guys in that roster. But I haven't seen, I didn't get a chance to see Battenfield pitch live this year, but I did talk to him and I have watched a couple of his starts and uh, I really like his stuff. I think that he's a smart pitcher. He's been with Houston and he's been with Tampa Bay and now he's with Cleveland. He's been with progressive pitching organizations. Um, he's he's starting to find more confidence in his changeup. He's throwing the slider more. He's kind of ditched his cutter for the time being, but he was, I heard, when I talked to him, he said he was talking to Aaron Savali during Savali's last rehab start in Akron. And he said, you know, he's talking to uh, Savali because Savali throws a cutter and a slider. And he's asking about how do you throw a ball without them blending together, you know, grips, wrist motion, all that kind of stuff. So he's a smart pitcher. You know, he's asking Aaron Savali, who's one of the, the smartest guys uh, in the organization. I think he was an engineering major at Northeast Northeastern. That's a pretty good school and a, a pretty uh, – tough degree to go out for. So, and while you're playing baseball, it's not like, uh, you know, athlete studies or anything like that. Um, but cool, you know, cool to hear that he was, he was kind of picking Savali's brain and Curry had a great year in Lake County, but I'm, I'm very excited for Peyton Banfield. I, I think he's a big kid and I think he's got more velocity in the tank. You know, he's about 91, 94 now, and he hits 95 a couple times. I think that, Cleveland's going to be able to get him to the point where he is like 93, 95, hitting 96. And I think he's got a couple other pitches that could be at least average. And at the worst, he could be a good bullpen arm. But he's a big kid, very laid back, very smart. Um, I, I really like the future for him. I think that's going to wind up being a – finally, it's going to wind up being a trade where <laughs> Cleveland comes out on top on Tampa Bay. We hope so, unless Jordan <laughs> just starts tearing the cover off the ball. Well, you can guarantee that Jordan Luplo will hit like a postseason grand slam for Tampa Bay, and he'll be like, "Oh, why did we give a give away that guy?" And then two years from now, you'll see Peyton Pattonfield. Like, oh, okay, that's why. Yeah, yeah, I'm very hopeful. <laughs> I, hope. I like Pattonfield a lot too. I really, I really um, enjoy. I'm him. very hopeful it turns out that way. Pilk- Pilkington has put up good numbers too. I don't know if I'm as high on him as I am Pattonfield, but. Um, between him and, and Adam Scott, one of those two is going to wind up being a good depth starter option next year. And then, you know, Joey Cantilla, who I don't know, I was talking to somebody from prospects live and they were saying that they think that it'll be more likely that Scott and Pilkington get rostered and Cantilla does not that they liked Scott's fastball slider and Pilkington's fastball shape better than Cantillo. And I'm like, well, 
I don't know, Pilking or I, Pilkington to me is kind of a a five six arm, and Scott maybe the same. You know, we even talked about Scott being a bullpen arm. I think Joey Cantillo is has, has and you and I agree with this. We talked about it before has you know mid rotation upside. I would I would be really kicking myself if if I didn't add him to the if I was the Indians, I didn't add him to the forty man roster, and he goes in the Rule Five draft because that's some serious upside to miss out on to add. Two guys that might be yeah, and, and I think the thing is that you would be adding two guys that are back of the rotation. <laughs> they are what they are. They're older guys. Um, Pilkington twenty four and Scott twenty five already. So Scott will be twenty six next season. Um, both I think are your five six starter, probably uh, bullpen arms. Um, Scott more likely the of the two to be a bullpen arm in my opinion, um, and then. I think Cantillo has an opportunity to add velocity. They've shortened his arm swing a little bit, um, dealt with that core injury this season. Maybe they try to sneak him through because of the core injury, and there's not a lot of not a lot of um, video or anything on him for the last two years. So I could see that as a motivating factor. Um, but I also think that he has the highest upside between the three of those arms. Yeah, he absolutely does, and like I said, I, I mean, all, it's going to be a tough decision. All three of them, really. Um, maybe they add all three, maybe they don't, but maybe someone gets traded. I don't know, but I definitely am with you. I think I think uh, Cantillo has the most upside of all of them, and I would hate to lose him. But interesting to hear people who are outside of covering this organization, like we do, um, to looking looking at the data and just looking at who they like, and um, you know, maybe sometimes we're too close to it, and we look at some of that stuff and maybe an outside perspective is good, but uh, those guys definitely have pitched well this year when they, when, you know, especially when. Well, you know, one thing I like to do do is to look at what they've done in the past and compare that with what they've done in the past. Um, and, And you could say Luis Oviedo as an arm that they didn't protect that maybe they should have, um, I'm not neither here nor there on that. I think that one's kind of a wash. Maybe that works out for Pittsburgh in the long run, but I'm happy to have gotten Trevor Steffen because I feel like he's a bullpen arm that they could use, you know. So, um, but but when you look at that, maybe they don't protect Contillo because of that very fact because he spent this last essentially two years with very little development. Um, but overall, as I said already, I, I still feel like he's the highest uh, upside arm of that group. Um, you know, maybe a Pittsburgh would want a guy like that. That's also motivating to get young Kenzie Noel on the roster or, or or risk losing him, you know. But we could get into all of that. I don't want to get sidetracked. But um, interesting time to see um, Xavion Curry promoted to Akron. And curious what your thoughts were of that when they promoted him. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that. I, I mean, I, I had a feeling somebody in that rotation was going to go up. I, I thought it was going to be Daniel Spino, to be honest with you, especially once we figured out that Lake County was going to make playoffs. And we didn't know until the end, until yesterday, that Lake County wasn't going to make it because they lost their way out of a spot too. But Curry's had a great season. He's been really consistent, and I think they thought that maybe he was the perfect addition for Akron because um, 
typically he goes out there and gives you, you know, five innings, a run or two, and he strikes out a batter per inning and just throws a lot of strikes. It's not going to walk guys. And to, to Espino's credit, he has 20 strikeouts in his last two starts and no walks. So uh, he has certainly come along towards the end of the year here. I mean, he's been electric all year, but the command just hadn't been there for a lot of the season. And he's allowed his his raw velocity and all that to kind of blow hitters away. But yeah, I mean, Curry, for a guy who, I've, I've said this multiple times in the podcast, for a guy who didn't pitch last year, who didn't pitch in 2019 in, the, in pro ball, um, he has had an, a remarkable season. And I don't think he was on a lot of people's radars as far as being a prospect in this organization. He is, you know, he might be a back end starter or a reliever, but I think he's definitely a major league arm with his fastball and, and his curveball and his command. I think for sure he's going to find his way in the majors. So good addition to Akron's rotation for sure, especially with bumping Adam Scott up the AAA after Juan Hillman went down. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it, and, and you're going to start, you're going to start yeah, right Akron next year. I think it gives anyway, Akron so stability, so to speak, what, what to expect from him um, as far as the innings he'll pitch. But also it, it gives him an opportunity to log some more innings too. Um, and it gives Espino more time to work on control and command. And I think that it kind of motivates Espino, if you will, to continue to develop and, you know, not just rely on stuff, but work on your overall pitching and your pitchability, talking about command and control, something that he's needed to improve. He can blow guys away all day long and, if that's all he's going to do, he's going to end up in the bullpen or as a middle back of the rotation type of arm. But he has the potential to be a guy that can front a rotation. And if that command and control continues to improve, like he's shown these last few starts, then he's tapping into what he could become. And, and again, another guy that's changed his arm swing. Um, we all know he had a, a much longer um, arm swing and only 20 years old. So there's a lot of a lot of time for Espino to develop, but I think with the combination of power stuff and improving control and command, you know, he's somebody that we could potentially see next year. I, I think definitely in 2023. Um, but I, I think there's potential to see Espino next year. Yeah, that would be kind of aggressive for me on Espino. I mean, maybe, but, um, He's definitely improved as the year has gone on, thankfully. He's got good stuff. I mean, he had the best slider in high A, according to Baseball America's survey of all the coaches in the league. Not a surprise. You know, he. I can't believe his fastball didn't have the best. He wasn't voted best fastball in that league, considering he throws 100 regularly as a starter deep in the games. And, you know, there. Were, I think this was a concern of a lot of people when they drafted him. You know, obviously, physically, he's maxed out. But obviously Cleveland didn't care because of his athleticism. But the track record of guys who throw as hard as he did in, in the minor, in the in amateur ranks and circuit showcase, all that kind of stuff, typically they get the pro ball and they're not throwing a hundred because they're not, you know, they're not pitching once every like week or so. And I guess that's what he was doing because of the six man rotation this year. But um you know, he would get to the fifth or sixth inning, or I should say fourth or fifth. He only got to the sixth the last couple starts, but he would get to the fourth or fifth inning, and he's still hitting a hundred. Like it's not, it's not like his 
his first couple of innings are, were 100 miles an hour, and then he, he started to go down to like 94, 95. Like he, he's usually 96, 99 up to 100 deep into his starts. Like that's that's not normal for a starter, and it's not typical of a an amateur prospect who I think it's really hard as an amateur. Yeah, I think that speaks that to his preparation away. as far as physical preparation and. and... His explosiveness is just something that he has in his delivery that, you know, 6'2", 220 pounds, that frame is very compact, very mature, and big league ready as far as frame goes. Obviously, continues needs continued refinement, um, but a very exciting arm for the future. Uh, I'm curious if he could potentially get that bump up to Akron for the last few weeks or for the next few weeks, you know. Um, as the fifth starter there, or if they will go with Cantillo and, and maybe some bullpen arms to round out the fifth spot in rotation. Yeah, I, I don't know if they will, but uh, you know, at least it's a good option to have, I suppose. Um, he'll start Nacker next year for sure. Is he still? I, I guess I probably shouldn't have to ask this because I think we had this debate after the draft. You know, we were talking about. Daniel Espino and Gavin Williams. Uh, Espino is yes. still your top pitching prospect in the organization. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. Espino has the highest upside of the two. For me, just <clears throat> that's not to say Williams couldn't knock him from that pedestal, so to speak. It's one, two for me, and Williams is probably sitting in a six, seven, eight spot right now as far as overall prospects. And I'd have to look at a list, and I'm not, I've not got one in front of me, but. It, I think Espino could be as high as three or four, um, which means somebody who needs to be somebody who should be in the top three or four is going to get bumped. Um, but I think you could make an argument to do that with a number of guys. Um, but really, I've got Espino as the number one arm in the system, and then Williams right there behind him. Then after that, you're looking at Logan T. Allen and Cody Morrison. They're interchangeable with those two for me. Yeah, I'm excited to get to talk about them next year, and, and we'll see what happens with Cody Morris. We'll dive in more onto him in another podcast, maybe when the Columbus season officially ends. Um, so, yeah, Espino goes 11 and two-thirds, or I'm sorry, 12 and a third innings. His final two starts, 20 strikeouts, no walks. What a dominant finish for him. Uh, Lake County won the division. As I mentioned, they missed the playoffs because of that goofy rule. You know, it happens. Uh, it's unfortunate. Interesting season there. I mean, Jose Tina was was pretty good start to finish. You know, he had some lulls as a young player, but definitely an exciting player uh, on the fringe of the 40-man roster with some great tools. Uh, we saw young Kenzie Noel make it there this year. That was exciting. I still don't I still don't think they're going to roster Noel. I still have a hard time believing there's a team out there that feels confident in their ability to stick him on a 26-man roster all year as a right-handed hitting first baseman who hasn't played above high A. We'll see, but it, historically that is not the kind of player that sticks. And I know people will say Anthony Santander, but Anthony Santander was an outfielder. He was older and he was hurt and it was it's easy to hide guys who are hurt. You know, here, here's another thought. I mean, we can elaborate on this another podcast, but Jerson Ramirez, um, who was Lake County's closer, was starting to move up pretty – I mean, I thought he'd be in Akron by now. He was having a pretty good season. 
good stuff, and he got hurt. It's an elbow injury. I don't know how serious it is, but it's an elbow injury. He missed the rest of the season. And he's Rule 5 eligible this winter, and I was like, you know what? This gives him a better chance to get picked now that he has the elbow injury because teams can hide him on the on, on the injured list now, and he can pitch a few innings, and they can stash him going forward. And he's a reliever who I think would have already been in Akron, like I said, and he could have been up next year. Uh, and it's funny that just because he's hurt doesn't mean he's not a guy that would be taking the Rule 5. If anything, it, it raises his chances. So that just tells you how the Rule 5 works versus – you know, a guy, a pitcher who's hurt has a better chance to get selected than a guy like... Yeah, depending on the well. nature of the injury. If we're talking Tommy John surgery, then that that might actually raise his chances if a team believes that he's a major league arm. And I think that there's potential for him to, to be a middle relief type. Um, frankly, I haven't seen a whole lot of him, but I do trust you and, and Joe and a few other people who have told me, hey, he's a legit prospect, you know. Um, what I seen of him, I liked, but I I think there's potential. But temp- typically, teams would go for a higher upside arm, somebody that offers more splash, if you will, somebody that could be a, a setup man or a closer, or even somebody that they could send back down and develop as a, a starting pitcher, kind of like Luis Oviedo, somebody I think that probably end up in AAA or Double A next season for the Pirates, and they'll develop him as a starter. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Ramirez is all that different from Trevor Steffen, to be honest with you. I know he doesn't throw as hard, but he's got two good sliders, and he throws up to 95, and there's more in the tank there. Uh, I don't think they're all that different, even though Steffen got the double A, but I think it's similar. But we'll see. Uh, we kind of spent a lot of time on some other, other topics, so let's try to move this a little bit faster. Uh, we can come back another week and talk about the Hillcats roster. I know they – their season's over. We should have probably. I'll, I'll just say today, one word there, or one name up. there. Petey Halpin. Another time. <laughs> oh, here, here we go. Here Petey we go. Petey Halpin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get that in there. Okay, that, there, there's your Lynchburg Hillcat season wrap up. Petey Halpin, and yeah, that's about it. No, they had they had a fun roster this year. You know, a lot of, a lot of interesting mm-hmm. names. Planez had an up and down year. Pretty good power, and Angel Martinez started out hot, and he struggled. Lenny Torres and Josh Wolf had good good outings. They had bad outings, but they made it for the season healthy. Gabriel and they, Rodriguez they and, and Andres uh, Melendez both After improved being... over the course of the season, particularly the last month or so. Uh, both of them looked a, a lot more comfortable at the plate, put up better at bats, um, like Aaron Davenport and Alaska Abney that were draft picks from this last draft draft class. And I would not, I would fail, I wouldn't want to, not to mention uh, Jorge Burgos, who came up later in the year too and looked really good. So another guy that's interesting. Uh, let's quickly get to the ACL, even though Joe's not on the podcast. Um, super exciting to see what Jake Fox did down there. I know it's complex league stuff, but, you know, he, from the video we saw from Prospects Worldwide, uh, shout out to them for putting out some great content and being at a lot of um, complex league games this year. Fox looked good. Connor Cox looked good. Isaiah Green looked good. And Damon Cassetta Stubbs finally made an appearance. I mean, we weren't sure if he actually existed. He, they, they traded him. They got him for Jake Bowers back in, like, what, June? And he yeah, never pitched for them what, until the last day of the season. So I don't know Damon what was Cassetta up with that. And, and I'll throw out two person. more names real quick from Lynchburg. <laughs> uh, Lenny Therese Jr. and also 
uh, Barani Munoz were very interesting for that club. Yeah, I, I really don't have a lot to say on Barney Munoz. Uh, he had a couple good starts. I know I don't really have a whole lot of background on him. Torres, there was I watched a couple of starts of Torres this year, and he had some electric stuff in some of his starts. There's other starts he uh, just had zero command and was leaving balls over the plate or was walking guys. So, but like I said, with, with Torres and, and Josh Wolf especially, um, the fact that those guys made it through the whole season healthy after not pitching last year. And especially Torres after, after Tommy John, great sign for them. And those guys should both be in Lake County next year. And that's going to be another tough task for them. Like that's not going to be an easy assignment, but they're young and they're going to get that shot. Same with Gabriel Rodriguez. I mean, he had a tough year too. And like I said, you proved at the end of the year, all those guys are going to be in Lake County. It's going to be another aggressive assignment for them next year. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see how they respond or you're going to get a good idea of what they can do when they do that. Anybody else in the ECL? We didn't really uh, see the yeah, we class. didn't see. Oh, Will, Will Dion did make an appearance, and no, nope. yeah, we, Will Dion we really didn't see the, the draft class one, as far as big name goes, um, or bigger names go, like McKaysey, <laughs> Mace, and Gavin Williams. Um, so plenty of talent to be seen there. I, I did see a little bit of video of Jack Leftwich the other day. Um, that was interesting, um, but uh, you know. As I said, the draft class really, as a whole, didn't debut. We did see four or five, maybe six guys, a, a little bit of them anyways. Uh, so I I don't know. I tend to think that they were being very conservative with the big jump in innings from all of these pitchers anyways. And I think that was what that was about. And I alluded to um, Ethan Hankins and Daniel Espino treatment for, for a lot of these arms because uh, because of that very fact. That's a good point. Also, <clears throat> I'm just speculating here, and, we, and again, this is another pod, another topic from another podcast, but potential Lake County rotation next year. Gavin Williams, Doug Nikhazy, Lenny Torres, Tommy Josh Mace. Wolf, and yep. I'm sure there's somebody I'm forgetting yep. there, but wow. Tommy Mace, like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to be fun. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun if that's the rotation next year, the pitching staff. Uh, can't wait till next year already. Let's get to some questions. Uh, we've got a couple from some regular listeners. We actually got quite a few questions this week, so let's let's try to run through these as fast as we can. We've got the uh, infamous Hiram Boyd has a couple of them for us. Uh, what do you think about Francisco Perez? Um, actually, you know, I like Perez more than I like Anthony Goes, only because uh, Perez occasionally knows where the ball is going, and Anthony Goes every other day kind of knows where the ball is going. I don't know. They're both kind of on the same plane, but Perez at least has some semblance of command, even though Goes is more exciting. Yeah, I just don't know if he's going to be on the roster. Flip a coin, year. whether both of these guys are on the roster next year. Uh, Perez <laughs> does have three options remaining, so that would be the reason or the motivation to keep him. As far as Richie Palacios goes, I, I think mm-hmm. you know he's already played second, and he's been playing in the outfield, played I remember correctly, a little bit of outfield while he was in college. Definitely has the speed to handle it. He's a hard worker. We all know that. Um, so I, I do think he could be a guy that plays second in outfield at the major league level, and that's how he uh, sticks with the club, so to speak. Yeah. Would you try Palacios in the outfield? Well, the Indians already did that, and he played center field. He did have a hamstring injury late in the year. He came back from it, but 
Um, after the hamstring injury, Cleveland did stick him at second base full time. So we'll see what that means going forward. Uh, to me, Palacios is a guy I would not roster. I think he's someone you trade before the Rule 5 draft just because if you're not going to roster him, <clears throat> he's going to have value to somebody. And as much as I like Palacios, I like Jose Tina, those guys to me are just like, I guess those are not good comparisons because Tina is a shortstop and he's going to stay at shortstop. And Palacios is a second baseman because of his arm. He has center field experience now. But to me, he's one of those fringe guys who, yeah, he's got, he's interesting. He could play some kind of role in the majors, but your entire 40-man roster can't be guys that are interesting or fringe guys. You can't make a whole roster out of that. And they have enough of those guys as it is. I would I would dedicate space to somebody else rather than Palacios, and I would I would maybe try to find a trade for him and see what happens there. And then he also asked when will we see Juan Moda? Um, I don't know. You might see him walking down the street in Columbus. You might, you might see him uh, walking down the street in Akron, wherever he is next year. That's, yeah, that's I believe he's my only free agent at the end of the season. <laughs> I said whenever he turns 28, so that'd be another three years from now. My reference is he doesn't have very good control. I would say it's a, a 40, and I usually don't grade anybody lower than 40. Um so I'll, I'll just leave Juan at that. I like Juan. I've said before he's a cup of coffee guy. Um, I don't think he's a cup of coffee guy here, and I think he's a cup of coffee guy somewhere else in a couple of years probably. Um, Hiram asked, what do we think of Brian Lavastida? I really like Brian Lavastida. I think there's potential for a most days catcher there. I think he's more likely a backup. Definitely made some serious strides um, behind the plate. The pools, as far as the hitter goes, somebody that that makes good contact, he'll draw his fair share of walks. I think he's done a lot to improve his stock, and I think you have the potential to have, uh, like I said, maybe a fringe starter, probably a backup there with La Vestita. I still have Bo Naylor love La Vestita, but La Vestita made it closer, but I think defensive-wise... I would say Naylor has the edge still. Even though Lava State had a better season with the bat. Um, really quickly, let's just kind of get this one out of the way. This is awesome. Ryan, what would you do with Tito? Well, he's coming back next year, and that's fine. He should come back. I think Tito isn't really the problem. I think it's they just need to have some more uh, progressive voices in the dugout. I think Tito's fine. He keeps the staff together. I think they could just use some younger voices in the sta- and the, on the staff. And they... To their credit, they have in the recent years. You know, Justin Tool's down there. Um, Kyle Hudson's down there now. They're getting a little bit younger down there. But, um, yeah, bring him back and then, and then maybe try to, you know, move some guys up and, and maybe have some more progressive voices have a louder voice. I really there, like I Kyle Hudson. I mentioned to him to you and Jared the other day. like the impact that he's had on the running game. Um, seems to really relate with the players very well. My opinion, you know, I, I could be entirely wrong with that. But um, I think Tito is back. I think Tito will self-determine um, when he leaves the game, if he leaves the game, what that looks like. I I say Tito has to make that decision, and this front office will be comfortable with it whenever they do. Uh, we'll not be surprised if he one day leaves and then becomes a consultant for the organization. So he stays around in some capacity when he does leave. Um, because I don't ever see him retiring from the game. But 
how Tito leaves the game or how Tito leaves this organization matters because you want to be able to bring in another high level manager to replace him. And if that means you're recruiting somebody like Kevin Cash, for example, you know, who is a friend of his, um, I don't see that happening, but just throwing out that name. And if you're going to recruit somebody to come to Cleveland once Tito does retire, I think you have to, I think you have to let Tito play it out himself and make his own calls rather than guiding him out of the game. I think that wouldn't look good. And I think, you know, he's earned that as far as the organization goes, whether I agree with all of his moves over the years or not really doesn't matter. I think that you, and I think that they will honor what he's been for this organization throughout these recent years. Right. Yeah. Give him a chance to go out on his own terms and, um, the team has been good, so I wouldn't really worry about that. And I would say, um, I would say this year for him will be it. Next year will be it. He, I think he just doesn't want to be forced out by his health. I think he wants to make that determination, like you said, and maybe that will be next year. Um, what else we got? Johnny Goodberry asked if you believe the organization believes they have any untouchable prospects. Well, I would say for them, George Valera is probably untouchable. That's about it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Maybe they believe Daniel Espino is untouchable. Um, yeah, I can't think of anybody else. I would say those if, if they have an untouchable prospect right now, to me it's Valera and maybe Espino. Everybody else I think is, has a price. I mean, everybody has a price, obviously. Like there's nobody untouchable because it depends on what you're getting back, right? But if I had to pick two, if they, they really didn't want to trade or it would take the most to get them out of the organization, I agree. I think it's Valera and Espino. Yeah, hard to find 100-mile-an-hour pitchers like Espino, and uh, they haven't developed enough outfield bats to to consider trading George Valera at this point. They, If they had a bunch of uh, George Valeras behind George Valera, like they have, they have all these shortstops, I could say, yeah, they I can trade him. But helping out there, there's too. only one George yeah, we Valera, don't and there's a lot short. of... <laughs> and that's, that's the end of the show. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Oh, I love the Petey Halpin inside jokes. I'm, I, you know what? That's another guy I'll be at Lake County next year. I, and I'm, I, mean, I talked to him last year and he got drafted. I'm excited to see him next year. Um, he did have a really good season. We'll dive more into Lynchburg another time, I promise. Uh, Tim Kareem said, Will Dion came kind of out of nowhere being a ninth-round pick um, to make it out to low A. What are your thoughts on this hard-throwing lefty and his seemingly perfect Kershaw-like delivery? Yeah, uh, our buddy Jared pointed out to me that well, Dion has a very Kershaw-like delivery, and he did make one low-A appearance this year. That's exciting. And, you know, one of those short lefties with that high arm slot. Needs to work on his change-up, um, which is a, a work in progress. I believe he's a four-pitch pitcher. I think he's up to 95 uh, as far as velocity goes, 5'10". Uh, don't remember his weight, but he's a smaller frame guy. I, I do think he gets a lot of deception with that delivery, though. Um Probably a back-end type of starter, like a Xavion Curry type of arm. Yep, I could agree with that for sure. I'm excited to see him next year. I think he might, he might start in low A. Who knows? Um, oh, Doug K asked about, I can't remember how his first name is spelled. He's talking about Xavion Curry, but is he highly regarded? And we, we talked a lot about him. He is highly regarded. He's definitely a, 
a potential future starting pitcher or a bullpen arm. To me, he's a major league arm, and that says you're highly regarded. If you're a guy who's a prospect who you really believe that can be a major league arm, that to me that says you're highly regarded. And I do think he'll make it there, whether in it's my top, here or somewhere else. Um, in my top rankings, I believe I Curry? had uh, Curry in around 23. So he's top 25 arm for me or top 25 player for me. I definitely think he has a chance to be a fifth starter, possibly middle relief type arm. Um, Changeup still needs work, but he has the command fastball and curveball that play and uh, has definitely put in some work and, and and impressed on every level so far. So, you know, keep up the good work, Xavion. Yeah, for sure. Uh, B. Brook, Double B. Brook, Rokio, Freeman, Noel, need to be on the 40-man. Bad teams can't draft and hold Noel and C. Santander. Okay, I think I already addressed that. Uh, Arias and Jimenez, we have a lot of young advanced infielders with make-a-difference potential. Middle infield backups are easy to find. I'd leave Clement Miller off comments. Uh, I would not take Miller off. I probably wouldn't take Clement off either. I don't know. Um, I'm not, I, as I said before, I'm not adding... Noel, I just don't find the room for him, and I don't see any team taking that risk. But I would, I would not so leave Noel or Miller off. Is uh, Noel going to be up before his three options are burned? Let's ask yeah. that question. And that's not a slight at him. I, I like Noel. Um, I think he's potentially a top ten prospect right now, um, or he's knocking on the door of that just because of the offensive potential that he holds, and. Uh, you know, as far as Clement and Miller go, I, I told you I think Miller has a role. Again, another player that's a role player, utility infielder, somebody that could possibly be a second baseman every day. Um, just not a very exciting player. I think Clement has a role as a utility infielder. Maybe they trade Ernie Clement for an Andreas Melendez type, just like they did with Mark Mathias. I think that's the route that they could take. I would not be surprised if that's the route that they do take. Then, you, then again, you have guys like Yu Chang who are running out of options. You know, there's a lot of things that could happen this offseason. I think they're going to be active in the trade market. They're going to be looking to fortify the 40-man roster, and that's going to mean there's going to be some transition with these young guys. That's why we're seeing guys get time. That's why some players aren't getting called up that we would like to see. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of decisions to be made for sure. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Miller Miller has a backup role somewhere. Clement has a backup somewhere. I know we have a lot of those, like he said, but um, yeah, I just, like you said, and also Noel, <clears throat> not going to be up before his three options are up, and I just don't see anybody hanging on to him. Uh, it's not that easy as he makes it seem. Santander was a very different case. And then finally, of Quincy Wheeler, uh, if you had to pick current Indians prospect to have the best potential to be the organization's next Jose Ramirez, an unheralded prospect turned elite big leaguer, who would it be? Uh, understanding that finding someone as good as Jose is very, very weird, just as uh, rare, just a similar trajectory. Uh, that's a great question. Could you help him? I don't know if I have a great answer to that, to be honest with you. Like an un- P.D. Halp is not unheralded, especially the way you and Jared promote him. Come on. There's... <laughs> Can I throw out another oh, name? A player you know I like. I'll throw me. in Angel um, Martinez. How's that? <laughs> he's got a lot of love. He, he's got a lot of love. Yeah, that's, been that's a good that one. For a long time. Um, he's somebody that I think that could be a really good, and I, and I don't think he's going to be a face of an organization type player. 
he's somebody I think that could be a really good most days, everyday type of player. Maybe he ends up being a utility man. Um, that's a tough question, though. I, I would say Brian Rockhill, but now he's a well-known prospect. You know? Right. So that's, that's tricky. Yeah, all these guys were, were high picks or high signings in the international class. Um, yeah, it's so hard just to, to find comes out a, of nowhere. a star that um, isn't. Yeah, I mean, even like guys like Junior Sam Quinton was was he's a first baseman now. Um, you know, he was kind of a high profile signing. Maybe we can go real deep. I don't know. The guy's going to strike out a ton, but I've been watching a lot of video on Junior oh, that's on, uh, Junior Camonero from the DSL. <laughs> that guy hits a crap load of home runs. <laughs> I mean, why not? No one really talks about him, and, and he's hitting the crap out of the ball. He's only in DSL, so maybe that's a deep cut. Um, maybe Dan Frias. Who's the other guy I was thinking about that that's uh... – Yeah, Dan Frias is another great example. For sure, he's starting to break out a little bit. Um, there's somebody else I was thinking, what, you know, oh, Jorge Burgos. I don't know. Jorge Burgos looked really good in Lynchburg and not a guy a lot of people talked about, or maybe these guys aren't going to be stars, but like, I don't know, Micah Preeze or Connor Cox. Like, I think one of those guys could be maybe a major league starter and they're pretty, not really well heralded. I don't know. Milan Tolentino, maybe who I know he's a fourth round pick, but he's already bigger and stronger than I thought he would get. And Looks like he might have some thump there. Jake Fox, we don't know. He was a high pick. Jordan Brown from, uh, I don't know, he struck out a ton. I don't know. It's it's a tough question. You know, it's it's if we if we thought we knew that answer, I think we'd be working for the Indians, not doing this podcast. <laughs> that's my guess. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question though. That's something we could think about. Luis Durango was a guy that didn't get a lot of hype, but. Any final um, thoughts? He's somebody that I've, oh, I've yeah. kind of hyped and mentioned, yeah. hey, he's a top 50 guy. Maybe he's in the back half of the top 50 right now. Smaller frame, bloodlines, his dad, similar named. Um, but somebody that I could see developing it as a player that not really getting a lot of love right now, but will possibly later on. It's such a hard thing because a lot of these players are so well identified that a lot of the players aren't kind of going under the radar. If I remember right, Jose Ramirez signed for for a quarter of a million dollars when he did sign. So it's not as if he wasn't um, wasn't uh, a known prospect. But a guy getting a quarter of a million dollars is is still a very talented player. Um, definitely would say a top one hundred prospect coming in in from the international scene, anyways. Um, but you get a guy like Brian Rocchio who signed for one hundred and twenty five k. That's significantly less than. You know, I don't know. And and to have gotten the hype that he has right away, you know, looking at somebody that's kind of came out of nowhere, it's Rokio that's climbed the ladder. And now he's probably the second best prospect in, in the organization, you know, right behind George Valera. Um, really hard to identify those guys. As I've said, and I put my thumb on Angel Martinez, if you want a guy that I think that's going to end up being an everyday player, and being a good one, he's not going to be a face of the franchise type, but I would pick him. I'm, I'm trying to look it up. I don't think that Jose Ramirez had got that much money. I think Jose Ramirez signed for like uh, 50000 I think he was a pretty cheap sign. I may I have, his, I may have his brother um, um, by similar name. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, here it is. Uh, Ramirez signed at 17 in 2009 for a signing bonus of $50,000. That's, that's, yeah, that's no, not that's, a lot of, that's, uh, not a lot of money. <laughs> well, we see some talent. You have one tool that we like. I mean, you consider, <laughs> right, Valera got a million and, uh, Rokio got close Gabriel to that. Rodriguez got two and a, uh, well, yeah, that's 2.1 million, if either. I remember correctly. Right. So that tells you how I wouldn't say he was how on that just shows you how unheralded he was. Like he was, everyone was to phrase is too short. And I think that question's important because you know what? It's guys like Jose Ramirez have forced us and other people to pay attention more to prospects like him. You know, in 2009, you could be like, yeah, who cares? He's a, a five foot seven, uh, fast switch hitter who plays middle infield. He might be a utility guy. Like, you know, he makes a lot of contact and runs well. That's a, a utility profile and you get him 50,000 because no one ever else thinks he's too short to hit and stick in the majors. Well, because of Jose Ramirez, those guys don't go on Herald anymore. That's why you you're giving that kind of money to Brian Rocchio's and Jose Tenas who are, are five, nine, five, 10, and they're not big dudes, but you have to pay attention to those guys because Jose Ramirez is good. And uh, so it's, it's harder to find those guys. Now. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many $50,000, and for him to come through the minors like he did at the age he did, I mean, it's just outstanding to see that type of development. You don't, it's unheard of. Um, it's almost unheard of to get a player like Jose Ramirez for 50 K nowadays. Anyways, you know, as, as you, as you alluded to, that's a great question, by the way, Quincy. Um, yeah. And, and Justin, you threw out. Yeah. Ronald Cook, by the way, hundred thousand. Uh, you were right. Junior Caminero, that was yeah, guy. Hundred thousand came to mind because you see, you see, if you hit Twitter, you know, there's been videos of him posted hitting and doing well down in the the DSL. There's guys that they've signed. You know, I could say Angel Angel Ganau, um, that signed for roughly a million dollars. You know, that somebody that's interesting yeah. and Jose Pastrano, guys that are really interesting signings that we haven't even really seen yet. And aren't really known and won't be known until they get out, until they get to Ohio, I'll say, or or maybe Virginia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a question I would love to talk about um, in the off season when we have more time to kind of go deeper on those sorts of things. Any other final thoughts? We do play of the week real quick. I'm just trying to add up last week's well, totals. I. Honestly, I haven't watched today's game because I wanted to be able to sit down and take it in. So I don't know where Cleveland is at right now um, as far as record-wise. But looking ahead, and not that I've ever wanted to do this, but Cleveland is going to hold the 15th pick in the draft. And Jared and, and you and I were all kind of involved in a conversation earlier this morning about this. But surprisingly, the San Diego Padres are, are currently – in line for the 16th pick in next year's draft. I think it's a huge opportunity for Cleveland to add talent to an already deep organization. Um, I love the depth of this coming class. There's a lot of prep bats that are there. Of course, there's college arms, and everybody knows that uh, Cleveland appears to love these college arms these last few years. So we're going to have a great opportunity to see Cleveland add more depth next season. Not that I'm looking ahead yet. <laughs> never never all right um player of the week so last week was 
I picked Brian Lavasita and Xavier Curry. Lavasita, 261, 346, 478. Curry, four innings, six hits, two earned runs, five strikeouts in his double-A debut. Stacy took Connor Pilkington, who went five innings, struck out nine, two, hit, two runs, three hits, two walks, a fantastic start for him. And she picked Andrew Monasterio, <clears throat> and he had a pretty nice week, 294, 455, 353, not a lot of power, but uh, definitely got collected a lot of hits, got on base. <clears throat> right now, the standings are, I have eight wins this week, this year, and the field, which is Willie Yu, Caleb, Pat, Jacob, Joe, and Stacy, are at seven. So, it's up to you. Uh, are we tied going into I'm, the last couple of podcasts, or the is it nine to one. seven me? Oh, wow. You just want to defeat your man. Job, a, I feel like that's a biased pick, but that's okay. No, I'm kidding. That's a, that, that's the right pick. Yeah, Pilkington went longer than Curry and had a great start. And um, I guess Curry, or I'm sorry, Lavastead and Monasterio had similar-ish weeks. So definitely, uh, it was a tough pick. I don't know what I would have picked if I was an unbiased uh, pick. So the standings are now 8-8. Eight eight. I think we're going to have two or three more podcasts, at least two more that we're going to talk about actual performances on. So going to be interesting to see how the year wraps up. Do you have your picks ready for next week, Willie? All right. All right. I'm going with Logan T. Allen for next week and (laughs) Brian Rocchio. All right. That's right. Uh, We have a limited uh, group to work with because the season is over for two of the three of the five teams. So, only two teams left playing, Columbus and Akron. Um, hmm. You know what? I'm going to go with Peyton Battenfield, who's making the game one My gut said Peyton, for, but uh, my head said go with Logan. So I went with Logan, but uh, I might regret that. We'll see. I don't know. Logan Logan Allen played or pitched uh, in relief of Bieber on Sunday yeah. against Somerset, and he had the clinching win. And that, let me tell you, that Somerset roster, that, that hitting group is really good. And he pitched his ass off, uh, Allen did. So that was one of the better performances I've seen from him this year. And he's had a lot of good ones, but that was a tough lineup. And they were they were being no hit. And they came in, they were down 4 nothing, And he shut them down. They came back to win, and he got the last yeah. strikeout. I mean, that was as good a performance as he's had all year. And he, like I said, he's had a lot of them. So I don't think he'll regret that at all. Um Gosh, as far as hitters go, why not? I guess I'll go with Oscar Gonzalez. Why not? Because the guy continues to prove me wrong, and I still don't think he's going to be out of the 40-man roster. He had a bad week last week. He'll turn it around this week. I don't know. That's just the way things seem to go with him. So I'll go with Oscar Gonzalez while they have 10 more games left to go. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, Willie? I know it's been right about an hour. We did pretty good. That's good for us. So we did pretty good this week for you and I. Yeah, that is. We could easily go. We could easily go another hour if we didn't have uh, significant others and if other life things wasn't going to do. On around us. It wasn't already seven thirty, but right. Anything else you got? Anything else you want to talk about or right promote now. real quick before um, we get out of here? Just had a lot going on personally, you know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, just happy to have yeah. the opportunity to sit here and talk to you once again, and, and look forward to the next time, man. Yeah, 
definitely going to be a lot to talk about going into the off season and <clears throat> definitely going to ask you if you have time to give us each week during the off season, because there is nobody better to talk about it with. And uh, shout out to all the, the teams that have helped us this year, whether that's um, uh, Lynchburg, we didn't really talk to them much, but we had more Sheridan help us out this year in an interview with uh, Dennis Malave. The guys in Akron did a great job this year. Appreciate them. Appreciate the guys in Columbus, especially appreciate the guys in Lake County personally, Andrew Luffglass and uh, Brian McLaughlin. Andrew is leaving his post for as the captain's play-by-play guy to go back home, and we will greatly miss him uh, in Lake County for sure. And uh, shout out to all of our writers this year, Willie. Thank you this year. I know the season's not quite over yet, but um, Pat, Stacy, Jacob, Caleb, um, Matt, Arthur. Tyler, uh, Joe, well, I think, missing I think anybody. Quincy came in a lot and of people, but <clears throat> I, think Quincy I don't want to miss anybody. Stacy uh, and a few others. Yeah, Quincy a couple times stepped up and helped out in Akron this year too. Yeah, Stacy and then Quentin Quincy for sure. Appreciate Quincy coming in and, and giving us an extra set of eyes towards the end of the year when we were light on people in Akron. Um, follow me at JL underscore baseball. Again, if you're listening this long, I assume you're following me and probably the same for Willie. Uh, it's Will who 99 official underscore RBI for a few more months until it's official underscore GBI. Um, that's it. Thanks for listening. Leave us a review. If you listen this long, let us know if we were good. Let us know if we weren't. Uh, tell your friends. Thanks for listening. See you later. Wow.